Our global missions convention is one week away. Only seven more sleeps and uh, we'll be here and it'll be all underway. But I want to warm us up today and, uh, and help us to uh, get ready uh, for what we're going to consider uh, during the missions convention. There are still 3.3 billion unreached people on the planet out of 8 billion. There's still a lot of people after 2,000 years who uh, haven't heard the good news of Jesus. Uh, so over this week we're going to be challenged and inspired uh, to understand more of what God's doing in the world but also how we can be part of it. When I was a kid, my parents gave me this Bible, uh, Christmas 1964. And in the front of it, my dad wrote that there, which you probably can't read because it's faded, uh, but best wishes for Christmas. And then there's a verse at the bottom, that verse there. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Uh, that verse has been a constant challenge and inspiration to me uh, throughout my whole life. Uh, and it keeps challenging me because the environment that we live in keeps changing and our stage in life keeps changing. Let me tell you, this doesn't get any easier <laughs> as you go through life. Uh, the second half of your life, you, th you start thinking, well, okay, what's going to happen for the rest of my life? Uh, I made the mistake of having, in preparation for this sermon, of having a look at a website uh, that's aimed at telling me and Janet how much money we're going to need, assuming we're going to die somewhere in 20 years or so. I don't know that they estimated that, but I, I, it freaked me out. They said, you're going to need $80,000 a year uh, for your retirement. I was like, okay, another chance to trust the Lord. Um, it <laughs> These things keep coming up, don't they? No matter where you are in your life, whether you're making career choices, marriage choices, whatever. These things keep coming up. Are we going to put God first or not? Uh, like all Bible verses, this verse comes in a context. And Jesus is speaking to his followers about how to live as his person uh, that in a world that is full of distractions and temptations. Uh, so he wants to make it really clear to them what he needs to drive them as his followers. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew's gospel, uh, the kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven more, most often, uh, is mentioned more than 50 times. Uh, so it's a big theme. Uh, if you read through Matthew's gospel paying attention to that theme, it's something to be sought and gained at all costs. Uh, so it's, it's the pearl of great price for which you would sell everything to get it. Or it's the treasure in a field. Uh, again, that you would sell everything to buy that field uh, so you could have it. Um, but it's not just something to be sought. It's something uh, to tell everyone about, to be proclaimed. Um, the first words of Jesus as he begins his ministry are repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here. And later he sends his followers out to proclaim that same message and call on the people that they speak to uh, to repent because the kingdom is here to, be, to repent and believe. Most of the people listening to him that day, the twelve, most of them gave their lives doing that very thing and for that very reason. 
that they wanted people to know about the kingdom of God. Raises a question though, doesn't it? What, what is the kingdom of God? To put it really, really simply, it's where God is king. That's what a kingdom is, isn't it? It's where God is king and that's everywhere. So seeking the kingdom of God is seeking the rule of God over our lives and over the lives of others. Acknowledging the reality that God runs the whole show, that he's in charge of it. He, he's the king, the ruler. Uh, and living in the light of that and seeking for everyone to know that. Jesus just taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer and in that he says that they are to pray, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Uh, that's to be their prayer and that's to be their action to see that come in people's lives. Okay, how uh, can we put God's kingdom first? Well, again, the answer to this lies in the context and there are four things. Uh, we need to seek the best treasure. Uh, we need to get the best vision uh, we need to serve the best boss and we need to worry about the best things. So four things today on your outline. Firstly, seek the best treasure in verses 19 uh, to 21. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now we need to be clear here on what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that we mustn't have anything to do with material things. He's just told his disciples to pray to God to give us our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So he's not, he doesn't want us to live the life of an ascetic and fast for the rest of our lives or whatever. He's not against us having things. That's good news, isn't it? Most of us have got lots of stuff. <laughs> now the question he's raising here is, what do we prioritise in the use of those things? What do we do with them? That's the question. Uh, and that's a personal question, isn't it? What do you and I do with the resources that God entrusts to us? The money we earn from our job, uh, our allowance or our dole check, uh, our allowance from our parents, if you're a student, uh, an inheritance that comes, uh, or whatever comes our way, our investments, the, 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 the income we get from investments, if you've got investments. What Jesus is saying in this first bit, he says, don't stack that stuff up on earth for the sake of it. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. <laughs> Jesus gives irrefutable evidence here for the futility of accumulating wealth for the sake of it. Clothes get chewed up by moths, if not literally, but by the moths of fashion change. Uh, the op shops are full of really expensive clothing, aren't they? That you can get for a fraction of the cost. Sometimes they're not even worn. Someone got sick of it. Oh, I don't want to wear that anymore. They put it in the, in the op shop. Um, things rust. You pay megabucks for a car these days, don't you? You might have one of those fancy new electric ones. At the end of the day, the battery is going to wear out and the thing will end up on the scrap heap. That's one of the things environmentalists worry about. <laughs> We're going to do all these things that end up on the scrap heap. Things get stolen. Uh, yeah, we know about that, don't we? Well, most of us have probably had our house robbed or someone's grabbed our phone in the street. It happens. And Jesus is saying, don't put your faith in those things. 
If you, if you do that, if that's your security, you are going to end up very, very disappointed. The Bible forewarns us. You came into the world naked and you're going to go out with nothing. Andrew Carnegie was a, a great American industrialist. He is said to be uh, the richest person in the world in his time. But he was a very secretive man about how much he had. In fact, he's his company wasn't public, all his, all his uh, earnings were private. And he never told, he was a great philanthropist by the way, gave away heaps of money. And uh, people tried and tried to find out how much he was worth. He died. And uh, a journalist finally got to his vice president of his private company and said, how much did he leave behind? You know what the guy said? All of it. That was the end. That's true, isn't it? You and I, whatever we accumulate on this world, we will leave it behind. Um, at the end of the day, the only real estate we're going to need is a two metre by one metre plot in the cemetery or a little hole in the wall where they could put your ashes. That's the reality of it. Now, I know, we, oh, you know I've got to provide for my kids and that's good. We need to. The Bible tells us to look after our family. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to give them a good start. Let me tell you, friends, the best start you can give your kids is to show them how to use what God gives you for his kingdom, for his glory. That will be a way better start than giving them their own home, their own car and all that and getting them a job. Yeah, they'll need those things, but the big thing that we all need to know and what Jesus is challenging us with today is how do we use what he entrusts to us? <coughs> Jesus tells us here where to store up our riches. In heaven. It's much more important that we make provision for the day when we will stand before God uh, than to make provision for our time here on earth. He says the obvious thing, there's no corrosion in heaven, there's no theft, things don't get eaten by moths. Whatever God stores up for us there is safe uh, for eternity. It's permanent. But what is this treasure uh, that we are to stack up in heaven? Well, there's more than a hint in what else Jesus says we're to seek uh, in verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, friends, you see, the only thing that we are going to need uh, to get into heaven, to get into God's kingdom, is righteousness. We need to be perfectly good uh, to be in God's family. Jesus has already told them that in the previous chapter. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees, we, we think of them as sort of idiots who oppose Jesus, but actually in, at that time they were considered to be the best people around. Uh, they were the most righteous and here's Jesus saying, you've got to do better than that. Impossible. That's what would have been in their heads. Uh, but what Jesus is pointing to and what he says there, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, you see, to get into the kingdom of heaven, we need the righteousness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus. That's why he died. Uh, so that we could have that. That's why he 
died in our place so that our sins could be forgiven and so that he could give us his perfect righteousness and goodness. So seek that, Jesus says. Seek that. That's the riches in heaven. It's not just that, though. We were learning a couple of weeks ago in heaven. What do we see in heaven? There's a vast crowd of people around the throne, people of every tribe and tongue and nation who are in God's family worshipping Jesus. And friends, as we go out and proclaim that kingdom and we see people come to know Jesus and come into his family, that's storing up riches in heaven, isn't it? People who have come to the feet of Jesus and come to know him and who are there in heaven. People who are made holy by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus as we go and proclaim that gospel of the kingdom. Jesus gives the reason here, and it's a very simple reason why we need to stack up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. It's, that's where your heart will be, wherever you think your treasure is. Our affections will be pulled in the direction of where we think our treasure and our security is. If we think that our security and our treasure is in heaven, is in Christ, then that's where our affections will go. But if I start to think, oh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I think I've got enough for my retirement now, and I, yeah, no, I need to invest it properly and stuff like that, and my, my affections will go in that direction. <laughs> it's happened so easily. And so Jesus is saying, here, no. Watch your heart. Don't get sucked in by these things. Um, how can we advance God's kingdom? And how can we store up riches in heaven? That's what this next week is about in our Global Missions Convention. So we need to seek the best treasure. We need to get the best vision. Uh, verses 22 and 23 seem a bit random. Uh, where he starts talking about the eye. Uh, that it's the lamp of the body and so on. To understand this, actually, we need to understand that the word healthy uh, in that verse actually means single rather than double. So we need to have clear-sighted single vision. One vision, one aim in mind. And so what he's saying is if you're single-minded and focused on God, then your whole life will be full of light. And light in Scripture, of course, is about revelation. It's about purity. So as we focus on God and as we seek to understand what he says in his word, our lives are full of light. Uh, it, the alternative, of course, is uh, to see things with double vision and, uh, and be confused. And he says your life will be full of darkness. So we need to be really clear what is our goal in our life. When we get to where we're going, where will we, where will we be? What is our vision? What is the one thing that you want above all else? That's the question, isn't it? That's what Jesus is addressing here. And it needs to be his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to seek it with a single-minded and clear vision. Seek the best treasure and get the best vision. Thirdly, serve the best boss. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either... You'll hate the one and love the other or vice versa. You cannot, cannot, he says. Not may not, he says you cannot serve God and money. So here's the question, put in another way. Who's in control of your life? Because the assumption Jesus is making here is that whatever has captured your heart, whatever or whoever is in control of your life, 
they will end up ruling your life. Uh, we don't like hearing that, but it's true. You look at the wealthy people of the world, they're always trying to get more, aren't they? It's not just the wealthy people of the world. Well, I'm like that too. <laughs> always want a bit more, feel a bit more secure. Jesus, you can't serve that master and God. The person, of course, who has lots of assets uh, is forever worrying, aren't they, about the interest rates, uh, about inflation, about the share price. Where's it heading, north or south? Uh, the futures market and so on and so on. The list is endless and the more stuff you have, the more you worry about it. Uh, that's the perversity of this, uh, of these things. Uh, we get things to make our life easier and more comfortable, but they so easily end up controlling us. And we end up being possessed by our possessions. That's the point Jesus is making here. The flip side of this is the person whose consuming passion is God will be, end up being controlled by God. Uh, he will be their master, their boss. And he's a great boss. He's a loving and a caring boss. <laughs> He's not going to do the dirty on you. He's going to love and care for you, as he goes on to say. And the more we get to know God and the more we live under his rule, the more we want others to know that good and kind rule and the more we want to share that treasure uh, with others. To serve the best boss. Well, look, what Jesus says in these three things raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? Please don't send them all on, the, on the, uh, <laughs> the phone. But it does raise heaps of questions, doesn't it? If I put God first, then what about my kids? What about my family? What about where am I going to live? And, and stuff like that. If I, if I use all my possessions for God's kingdom, it raises all those sort of things. How am I going to pay the electricity bill, which keeps going up? Car repayments, uni fees, whatever it is. Uh, it raises lots of questions and, and if you uh, go out to serve God in reaching others and proclaiming the kingdom, it raises even more questions. Um, you know, if I'm single, what about marriage? If I go out there as a single, will I stay single forever? What about kids? You know, our kids' education, will they get a good education there? Um, what about connections with grandparents and family? Uh, all those things, money, where will I live? You know, if I'm reliant on people supporting me, you know, what if they don't? Well, those kind of issues come up. Uh, if I come back, will I be able to get a job with such a big gap in my CV? That's a real problem for people who go overseas. Uh, friends, <coughs> we've been through all these things and still going through them. But let me tell you, God is so good. He is so good. We worried about our kids' education. How would it work out? You know, praise God they came back and, and, and he's looked after them and, and, and they've got the kind of education that they needed somehow or other in spite of us <laughs> along the way. But Janet did a lot of work homeschooling them. Okay, um, the final thing Jesus says then, with all these worries in the background, he says worry about the best things. Worry about the best things. Uh, notice the progression, actually, in what Jesus is saying here. 
at the beginning of this, I'm in control. I'm working out where to invest whatever I've got. I stack it up here, I stack it up in God's kingdom. Um, I'm working out my vision of that one thing in life. But then I'm being controlled uh, by whatever I've committed myself and allowed to master me. And the control turns into fear and worry. It's like a cycle uh, <coughs> where, I hope you can see that, there's this kind of desire to acquire, which, let's be honest, it's in all of us. We all want to be rich. Um, and that, of course, we allow that to take over. We get a diverted vision. We start serving our possessions. And the more possessions we have, uh, the more we worry. You know, what if my house gets broken into? What if my car gets stolen? What if the share market crashes, recession hits? And so on. What if there's another pandemic? What if my girlfriend or boyfriend dumps me? Now, notice, actually, all of these things are beyond our control. I've been getting a lot of help recently from a very good counsellor. And he said, Sam, there are two kinds of things in your life. There are things you can, can't control and there are things that you can control. And he said, focus on the things that you can control. Trust God with the things that he controls. It's not God can't control them, he can, but I can't. And that's been very helpful to me. And what, what can I control? I can seek God's kingdom first. That's what I can do. I can prepare my sermons properly. I can, I can do my job as the best I can. I can control those things. And that's what this vicious cycle actually spins us out of control when all these worries start to take over. Jesus gives two big reasons why this sort of living uh, in this kind of anxiety state is wrong for his followers. Uh, firstly, in 31 and 32, he says, Worry doesn't fit with faith. Uh, God knows our needs. That's what Jesus says. And we trust him to provide what we need. He says, really, if we keep worrying about it, we're just like unbelievers who don't know God and don't know that he's a faithful provider. Uh, that's the way unbelievers operate. They have to accumulate stuff because they don't have security in God. They don't know the, the loving care of a heavenly father. Secondly, in verse 27, he says, Worry doesn't make sense. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Worry about that stuff doesn't change anything. In fact, there's evidence that rather than lengthen your life, it shortens it. Jesus said you can't add an hour. People tell us by worrying and worrying and worrying, we can actually shorten our life. Now, please note here that Jesus isn't saying just loaf around and wait for God to dump stuff in your lap. Uh, no, the examples he gives actually of birds and of plants are of things that actually put in a lot of effort. Right, The birds zip around finding food, gathering it, but they don't have big barns where they store it up. They eat it, they go to bed, get up in the morning and go and grab some more. Plants, they carry on photosynthesizing day by day and produce beautiful flowers. They're way better than Solomon who was legendary for his glory. If God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
So he's saying, trust God. Yeah, these guys get on with the job. They're not paralysed by worry. And Jesus commands us not to worry about these things uh, because he cares for us. We are much more precious to him than birds and plants. So instead of this cycle of worry, uh, Jesus calls us to this cycle of trust uh, where we seek God's kingdom first, we have a clear vision and we serve God and we continue trusting God and the more we trust God, the more we seek his kingdom and so on. It's a continual cycle. So we're to trust our Heavenly Father. The point of this, of course, is he is the one who does control all those things and can provide them. And it's his kingdom and his righteousness that we are to pursue, to pursue the giver uh, rather than the gifts. Uh, Like our friends in AKS, a while ago they asked us uh, to pray. Uh, If you don't know, AKS is a project that we, we have a relationship with in India and uh, they were looking to expand the ministry and there was land available next door which the owner had promised them he would give them at a certain rate when he was ready to sell. Well, the day came when he was ready to sell and he said, oh, well, I've changed my mind about the price. He doubled it. So they sent us a message, please pray, we're negotiating with this guy and uh, pray that God's will will be done. Uh, that was going on and I, one day I... I uh, I knew the date for them to decide was coming up so I sent a message to say how's it all going and they just gave this very very short answer God has a better plan (laughs) it's really expressed their faith yeah okay this hasn't worked out but God will provide and he has God's got a better plan what a great way to view your life when something goes wrong you know and you don't get that job or that investment fails or whatever God's got a better plan and it definitely involves us trusting him more uh, for that plan what will be the result of putting God's kingdom first well Jesus says all these things will be given to you as well now what are all these things all these things actually are the things that we need uh, to live out his kingdom and proclaim it the courage, the resources, uh, all that we need to do it for as long as God wants us to do it until he takes it home. Now that's been our experience throughout our life and we look to God to keep doing that uh, as we all will. So what does this, all this mean as we begin our week of thinking about how we can reach the unreached? Uh, getting back to those three billion plus people who are still unreached after 2,000 years of doing this. Well, here are some ways you can get involved. I want you to think about these things during the week uh, and pray about them. Firstly, uh, we can get involved as senders, all of us, praying for and supporting our global partners. Uh, Pray for them in our own prayer times, in our life groups, uh, in the prayer meeting that happens every Thursday night. Uh, friends, the, the week of the GMC is a great chance for you to connect in your life group with your global partner that you've adopted. Make sure you connect with them and uh, zoom them in to the meeting and find out what their latest prayer needs are and pray for them. Um, you know, as a church, we invest uh, more than one third of our resources in global outreach. These are great privilege that God's given us and a great history. Uh, but as Dr Chong said, that, that, 
happens as God frees up the resources that we hold uh, for his work. And so this, this is an opportunity for us to put this into practice. Putting God's kingdom first. Putting the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of God into practice as we support our global partners. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well I don't have much money, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting by. Let me encourage you uh, to start doing it if you're not already doing it. It's an opportunity for you to trust God to provide for his work through you. And that's why we have the faith promise thing that you'll have an opportunity to do. Uh, by the way, it's not just our global outreach that needs resourcing, it's also our local outreach. Uh, so don't forget that either. So send us, send one another as well into our workplaces and so on. Secondly, as goers, every believer should seriously consider taking the gospel of the kingdom uh, to those who are yet to hear. Every one of us. Now this week will provide opportunities for you to be challenged and think that through. Think about the possibility and think realistically uh, about what's involved uh, uh, for you if you take that path. Global Partner Workshops will be on next Sunday. Grab one of these on the way out and uh, start choosing the ones you want to go to uh, next week because they will help you as you think through those kind of issues. Um, there will be a missions fair as well as we've already mentioned Mobilisers, that's another opportunity that uh, we have to mobilise people to encourage others to get involved in this great work. Now we can all be involved in this as well. If someone in your family says, I'm thinking about being a missionary, don't say, oh no, go and get a life, you know, get a real job. Um, <laughs> encourage them. Say, wow, this is incredible that God's working in your life. Let, let, let us help you to, to go down that path. Uh, if there are colleagues in your workplace or in your ministry team here at Cross Culture who are thinking of that and you think, oh no, if that person goes, the whole thing's going to fall flat. No, it won't. <laughs> God will provide whatever you need for that ministry. Encourage them. Mobilise them. As welcomers, uh, many people come here uh, from other countries where they have limited opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. Right now... English Corner needs more people to join the conversation classes that we have each week. Here's the long line of people uh, waiting to get in last Thursday night. Often we have to turn people away. Why? Because we don't have enough people to facilitate the table conversations. Friends, this is a, even if you're thinking about going long term, this is a, a great place to train. But this is a great place where we can reach these people. Lots of them are really interested in hearing the good news of Jesus. They haven't heard it before. If you speak English, you can help with that. And I'm presuming if you understand me today, <laughs> most of you can help with that. <coughs> you can sign up through the volunteer at crossculture.net.au. Okay, to finish with, where are we at? <coughs> uh, I want to challenge you today. If you've been trying to serve two masters and you haven't been seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, let me encourage you to resolve that issue today and say to God, God, I want to put you first no matter the cost. And say to God you're sorry for getting diverted onto other things. Tell him you're sorry that you haven't trusted him enough to provide for the things that you're worried about. Go back from worrying about those things before that track sucks you in and consumes you. 
tell God you want to serve him only and you want him alone to hand it to him. Commit yourself to seeking his kingdom and his righteousness and seeing the gospel of the kingdom rule your life and take root in the lives of others. Let's uh, take time to pray and uh, do business before God. Uh, Let's take time to do this personally and to process what this means for us in terms of the week that comes. And then I'll pray for us and we'll have time for questions. Jesus, we thank you so much for your clear-sighted vision uh, that you can, you can see <coughs> where our life will head if we go down these various tracks. And thank you for being so clear uh, in your word about these things for us. Lord, please help us to resist the temptations to serve ourselves and to stack up stuff here that we hope will make us more secure. Lord, help us to use all the resources that we have, our time, our energy, the money that you entrust to us, the real estate you entrust to us. Whatever it is, Lord, help us uh, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and help us to trust you for everything else. Amen.